Welcome to By the Way, a podcast of Founders Christian School, where we aim to help you pursue a biblical education as you go by the way. Well, today we're going to be talking about love, uh, what the scripture says about love, and how that should apply to us right now as we're at home managing our homes, managing our children. Um, and, and we want to look at a scripture that actually focuses specifically on this idea of love and how that uh, how, how we ought to apply that in, in our current context. So uh, the passage we're going to look at comes in 1 Corinthians 13, a letter of Paul the Apostle written to the, the church at Corinth. And the context he's addressing here is, is actually a context of spiritual gifting. And there was an issue at this time of divisions happening in the church. People were preferencing certain individuals over others. And you can tell from the context and how he talks about spiritual gifts, there were believers that actually felt their gifts were more important than other people's gifts. And so that's the context where we get this instruction on what is the most valuable display of those gifts. And I didn't mention this, but Mr. Uh, Baker and Mr. Jones are, are with us today on the podcast, and uh, we'll, we'll open up for conversation with them. Any thoughts y'all had as we intro this passage and the topic itself? What you just described as the context is is obviously anytime we're looking at a passage of Scripture, we want to bear the context in, in mind. And yet, when you look at something like love, the characteristics of love are the characteristics of love regardless of context. And so that is the context here. But... Uh, it is also true to say that these characteristics of love absolutely have bearing for the way the Christian handles himself or herself in whatever context they are. So, absolutely. Well, let's let's read um, starting in verse one of this chapter. That might help us see the context of of when Paul brings us in about love um, as we talk about it. So, verse one of chapter thirteen. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And remember, he's talking about the, the, the context of spiritual giftings in the church. And what he's saying is, if I have the greatest displays of all these gifts, without love, I have nothing. There, there's no value, uh, no profit in these displays of gift if, it's not, uh, if there's no love within it. And then he describes what love is and gives attributes of love. Verse 4, Paul writes, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then he goes to talk about how love never ends, how certain gifts will end, but love never ends. So as we think about that passage, uh, the passage about love, what should that encourage us to do right now within our own families, within our own households? I have my own ideas about why I find this to be a valuable thing to think through right now, but I'll I'll open up to you all. Uh, What are some things that you all see as as ways we can apply that passage or, or be helped by that passage right now? 
I think we can start by breaking it apart, right? There, there are descriptions of what love is and there are descriptions of what love is not. So I can start by asking myself, by shepherding my children to, to ask these questions of themselves. But questions like, am I patient? Am, does kindness characterize the way that I handle myself toward, for example, my siblings? Am I envious? Am I boastful? Am I arrogant or rude? Do I insist on my own way? These are questions that we want to ask ourselves as we, as, and, and like I said, that it will walk our children through if we want to know, am I being loving? Because uh, if, we, if we could have a show of hands for everyone who never struggles with any of these things, I don't think we would see any hands. The, the, we're going to struggle with these things. Especially when you're confined to one place with the same people for two months. Right? Some of these things are going to be a struggle, right? Yes. For sure, these things are, those are hard questions for uh, us to ask ourselves good questions, biblical questions, but convicting questions to say, am I being patient? Am I being kind? Am I insisting on my own way? Am I being rude? And, and what does that tell me based on the answer to those questions? Um, you know, and, that, and then that's where we see there's something deficient in our love. Right, if, if those things are missing. A lot of the things that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13 are also mentioned in Colossians 3, and I always love the way that Colossians 3, um, verses um, 1 through 12, or 1 through 11, and I'm, I'm not definitely not going to read all of that. I just, the way that it, it explains the process that one goes through in order to live these things out in, in his or her life, and um, I love the very first verse of it, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then verse 2 says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are uh, on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So, obviously, the, the person that has the ability to even live out what 1 Corinthians 13 says is somebody who's been, who has been raised with Christ. Uh, somebody who is a believer, they have the the spiritual uh, ability to live these things out. So first and foremost, the gospel is present there. Um, then secondly, there's a, a putting to death process that has to be carried out. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And it goes through some of these sins that we, we know are the opposite of what's listed in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Uh, lying, um, and it says to put off the old self with its practices. So there's this, uh, if a person's a believer, they go through this daily process of putting these things to death in their life. They understand this is something I have to be about doing, and it's the Holy Spirit and, and the Word of God that, that gives me the ability to do so. And then it says to put on these things, uh, like what First Corinthians 13 says, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another and things like that. So this process of, of recognizing I'm a believer, putting to death the things that are in my life um, uh, that, that are sinful, and it's a daily process of doing that, and then putting on these other things in my life, uh, and, and that ultimately, as it says at the bottom here, and above all these, put on love, which is what you're talking about, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So when you say bind everything together in perfect harmony, um, I, I think sometimes we 
read passages like this, we ask ourselves questions like, am I being irritable? And then we say, oh, yes, I am being irritable. So I need to stop being more, stop being so irritable. Or we say, am I being impatient? Yes, I am. So I need to start being more patient. Um, but there's actually, it almost drives you to a different place. What holds patience and irritability and not boasting and um, kindness? What holds all that together is love. And so the question doesn't necessarily need to be, or, or at least the response doesn't need to be, well, I need to be more patient. What we need to do is stop and ask, well, am I loving that person? I need to be more loving. And when I'm loving, then these things that go in orbit around that, like patience and kindness and not being irritable, start to fall into place. But if we just say, well, I need to be more patient, that's really a selfish self-interested answer to a question that's really trying to get you to focus on the other person. Hey, how about you look at the other person and consider what they need and how you can put their interest first, and then you will be more patient. It's not just you focus on your patients, it's you focus on them, and that's going to lead to these attributes that show up when you love someone else. Yeah, and and just looking at one of these in, in particular that's mentioned in, in verse 5, the idea that love does not insist on its own way. The only way that I can uh, seek to pursue obedience to to that aspect of love is to be willing to yield to someone else's desires, to put myself behind them, uh, and, and in that way to yield. And so, reminds me of our our theme verse for last year. Uh, actually, uh, we see Philippians two. Three says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he is in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So without saying he valued us more than God or anything like that, he did put our interests above his own comforts and, and his own interest in, in the sense of his, his own life and put our interests first in, in order to give his life for us and, 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 and to glorify his father, the interest of God and the interest of, of others above his own. Um, great example of what we we're just talking about. Yes, and just to put that together with something you mentioned a moment ago pursuing love is not self-reformation for its own sake uh, as we pursue love we are we are doing a couple of things we are um, seeking to be christ-like because he is our example of that but we are also living in such a way uh, as to be an expression of gratitude for what Christ accomplished for us. So I'm not pursuing love so that I can feel like a loving person. I'm pursuing love because that's the best way I can express my gratitude for what Christ accomplished and his love for me. And so um, anytime we're talking about pursuing righteousness, let it not be some kind of self-made righteousness or, or you know some kind of way to um, some kind of salve for my guilty conscience or something like that that's that's worldly righteousness that's moralism and what we want is is a a desire for obedience that's subservient to to Christ himself 
Yeah, if if we're only loving so that we can feel better about ourselves, who is it that we're loving, right? That actually turns into a self-interest love. Another thing I think we really need to mention is 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Um, talking about how Christ has loved us and laid down his own life. Similar to what we just saw in, in Philippians. Um, but this definition of love is really selfless a selfless interest and concern for another. And that's different than what the world might talk about love or, or way, you know, the culture might define love. It really is, is, is at its core the interest of another above your own. And that's what we see in Philippians. That's what we, that's what we see in First John. And that's what we're called to with one another. And more so than just the family context, as we already mentioned, but, but definitely as a, a father and a husband as well. Um, one more thing I wanted to mention on, on this passage, but is there anything else y'all wanted to, to mention before we kind of talk broad, broader? The only other thing I would say is just an encouragement to families, and, and maybe this is especially true uh, to fathers, is just to try hard to be intentional about setting your own mind and the minds of your families on these things. Um, it's, it's worth thinking about practical ways that I can help my, myself or my family be loving. Uh, and, and as we said a moment ago, in, in service to Christ. And so uh, as we do things like ask questions of how can I be more patient? How can I work on being more patient today? How can I put someone else's needs before mine today? How can I put away envy? How can I put away boastfulness? If we set those questions intentionally bef- before our own minds and before the minds of our families, uh, we do well, right? Scripture encourages us to set our minds on these kinds of things. And um, and so I think we do well just simply to be intentional about it. Yeah. And, and to ask the question, how can I, but also why am I not? Why am I not being more patient? What's what's at the heart of that that's really causing my lack of, of patience as well? I think it's a helpful question. And the last thing I was going to bring up on this is we hear these words, patient, kind, gentle, and sometimes can interpret that to mean soft, passive, um, allowing uh, wrongdoing to continue. Permissive. Permissive. But that's not what love is. In fact, love will not do those things. And um, just wanted to ask you all your input on on maybe talking to someone that they read this and they think, oh, well, I, sh- I should never, ever get onto my kids because I'm not being patient when I'm getting onto them or I'm not being kind when I'm getting onto them or I'm getting frustrated when I get onto them. What, what are some helpful thoughts uh, that you all might have just from your own experience? Um, it's interesting that in Colossians 3, following up on everything that we, you know, that I had that I read earlier about putting on love, that, that, that literally... Just a few verses later, it gives an, an order for the household, how a household is to function. And one of those, uh, or two of those verses in there are uh, verse 20, children obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. And then verse 21, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So there's an order in the household um, for children obeying their parents. Uh, and uh, fathers watching over themselves and making sure that they're not discouraging their children with what with you know 
how they're talking to them, what they're asking them to do, things like that. Like I'm, if I'm never going to be able to please dad, why, why ever, why ever mess with it? So I, I, as a father have a responsibility to make sure that I'm loving my children in that way. I'm focused on what's best for them, but they have a responsibility to submit to what it is that I'm asking them to do. Um, and so I can't be loving if I am discouraging my children. My children can't be loving if they are not doing what I ask them to do. So it gives a um, a context for how these things, humility, patience, kindness, those types of things, work themselves out in. And so I have a responsibility to discipline if, as a parent, if those things aren't happening. Um, and I also have a responsibility, as I said earlier, to watch over and make sure that I'm not being harsh with my children. We also allow Scripture to interpret Scripture. So is Jesus a perfect example of loving gentleness? Yes, he is. And and yet, if we think about his interactions with Peter, after Peter denied him, there, there can be no doubt that those words uh, of Christ to Peter were hard to hear. They, they were discipline in a sense. Uh, and so discipline can happen lovingly and gently, but also firmly. Uh, and, and we read in Proverbs thirteen twenty four, he who spares the rod hates his son. So love is not permissiveness. Love is maintaining a standard that's life-giving. We've got to believe Scripture. Scripture says that it's life-giving, that it's good, that what God says is best really is best. We're going to believe that and therefore love our kids enough to maintain that standard in our homes, in our churches, in our schools, that's important to do. And so that's what love looks like. Is it done apart from sinful anger? And is it done apart from things that exasperate children? Yes, it's got to be done apart from those things. But that's not, it doesn't mean lax. Laxity, is that a word? I think that's the right word. It doesn't mean yeah. being permissive. We'll just we'll just stick with that word that we've already used. Yeah. It can't mean that. Well, I appreciate the uh, the conversation. That's going to take us to the end of our, our time for our discussion. But I would say that passage comes in the context of the church and the importance of the, the body being together, which is something we haven't been able to uh, physically experience in the last few months. So, Uh, Let's continue this conversation next week talking about what does love look like in the context of the church? Maybe what are some things that um, we've been missing in light of not being um, with our church body and things that we should be um, longing for and and even trying to accomplish while we're separated. That'll be good because one of the things I know... Uh, we work hard at, particularly with upper school students, is to form into them a robust ecclesiology, a robust doctrine of the church, so that they have a high view of the church. And so uh, this will be good conversation next week as we think about why is it important for the church to meet together and what are we missing in these times. It'll be good conversation to have. Yep. Well, it's that time, the time for Dad Joke of the Day with Dan Baker. Mr. Baker, what do you have for us today? Why did the Clydesdale bring a pony a glass of water? I have no idea. Because he was a little horse.
All right. Well, that wraps it up for this week. Y'all have a great week.